Well, good afternoon, everyone. Uh, welcome to another installment of Lunch Hour with Renault. It is good to uh, be with you guys. If you're joining us uh, on Facebook Live, uh, man, thanks for being with us. And if you are catching this uh, after the fact via podcast, we're glad that you took the time uh, to jump in with us today. I'm here with Renault and his beautiful and wonderful better half, uh, Brooke. Absolutely. And uh, we're going to take a little bit of time today uh, because we've been in the book of Ephesians for the last couple of weeks, specifically unpacking the dynamic between husbands and wives and the picture that that is uh, of Jesus and the church and the call uh, on our lives, if God has called us to marriage, to, uh, to emulate that and to display that so that the people who are looking in on our lives would see that picture of Jesus' love for the church and the church's response to Jesus. And so, you know, when we preach a passage like this, there certainly are uh, lots of layers of questions of really, you know, how do you play this out? How do you express um, what the Apostle Paul is teaching 2,000 years ago uh, is intensely applicable to us today, but how does that flesh itself out within the context of a marriage? So we're going to talk about that today. and And I do think, you know, it's interesting to me, we talked a little bit about that in our teaching team Uh, journey as it was for this message, that typically in this space of Ephesians 5, where it talks about um, wives submit to your husbands as unto Christ, we typically immediately gravitate toward this single question of when a big decision needs to be made and you both disagree, how do you do that? As though that's the only and primary category in which this whole reality exists. But it's actually really just a way of life this relational dynamic between husband and wife is a way of life. So the question really doesn't become, how do you make big decisions when you disagree? That is one question. But it becomes, how do you do life? How do you do life in all these different categories? How do you you lead a home together? How do you manage life together? How do you make decisions together in the dailiness? How do you parent your children together? And how does the role that each of you play in this marital dynamic affect then how that's done? And then if you have two very... Uh, particular types of personalities, whether they're two strong ones or two that typically try to be peacemakers or different ones, how does that then dynamic affect how you do that? Because every dynamic changes it. So what we really wanted to do today was talk a little bit about our everyday actual life. The ups, the downs, the crazy, the beautiful, the how do we do this life? And we, just in case you're confused in any way, both have particularly strong personalities with particularly strong opinions and particularly different most of the time. Yeah. Because we do not get along in that, for, in, in, in meaning we think the same way. We see life utterly differently. Yeah. So my wife and I, Lauren, uh, we had the privilege of doing premarital counseling with <laughs> Renault and Brooke. Indeed. And what was so fun about that was, was such a good experience for us uh, because uh, our personalities are, are also both strong mm-hmm. and we differ in a lot of ways as well, which is typical of, of marriage that we, you know, opposites attract, right? And then they attack. And, uh, and so, um, you know, it was really uh, helpful for Lauren and I uh, to sit with you guys and to hear you kind of uh, bringing different perspectives to the table um, and being authentic about that and, and, and laying your life kind of uh, uh, bare before us and saying, hey, this is where we struggle. This is where we, we tend to thrive. Um, and everything in between. And I think today the goal, if you're listening in on this and you're, and you're trying to ask the question, okay, what does it look like for me to apply God's word to my life within the context of, of my marriage if you are married? Um, and what does it look like if you're, even if you're listening to this and you're single to say, okay, how, how does this uh, paradigm of marriage speak to the paradigm of Christ in the church? 
um, it's important to recognize that you know all of the the uh, difficulties and the nuances of applying this uh, you know can be hard to wade through. And it's, it's up to each one of us to ask the question, as a Christ follower, how do I uh, play the role that God has assigned for me? And so today, as Renault and Brooks share about their story and their experience, they're going to do so in such a way that's not so much trying to tell you exactly how you, they think you should do this, right. um, but as much to just share their personal experience, how this has fleshed out in their lives. Yep. Uh, because your marriage, just as anyone else's, is still a work in progress. Yes. Everyone's very is. Much very so. much so. <laughs> yeah. Very, very much and, so. And that yes. should be true until we take our final mm-hmm. breath. Yes. And, and that's a beautiful thing that's part of the beauty of marriage. So yep. you started kind of in the space of talking about this concept of decision making and, and coming to an impasse uh, and what that looks like. Um, you know, how does that tend to flesh out in your marriage? How often does that flesh out? Uh, what have been some major moments uh, in your life that, uh, that that has actually taken place? And how did you kind of work through that and deal with that? That's a great question. Go ahead. I would say in general, over the course of our, we've been married almost 24 and a half years. Um, although we... <laughs> still weird to say. I know. Crazy, right? Almost 25. Um, quarter of a century. Centen- uh, yeah, quarter centennial, yeah. Although we have different perspectives and see things differently, when it comes to making decisions, not the little ones, you know, day by day, but the larger decisions of a new job or moving or buying a car or, you know, how many children are we going to have? You know, whatever. <laughs> things <laughs> like that. Adopting a sibling group a sibling from group before, you know? Those kind of large decisions. Um I just tell her what to do, and she does it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, so wait, that sounds like a great recipe. We there's from the beginning of our relationship, there's been just a sense of mutual respect that we both value and desire to agree. We don't always agree, but that's our heart's desire is to come to a place of agreement. So there's been very few times where we've it's just been this like, no, you know, I don't see it that way. I'm not going to listen. I'm not going to you know, hear your perspective. Like we really try to listen to each other's perspectives if we're coming from different places and understand each other and try to find a place where we can um, maybe move a little bit from where we started off to find a place where we're both in agreement. That's worked for us pretty well. I would say for most of our kind of larger decisions, we've come to a place of agreement where I might kind of give a little, he gives a little, and we come to a place where we both feel like, yes, this is right, this is good, we've prayed about it, we've talked about it maybe at length until we've come to that place. Um, I, there's one case though where that did not happen that I can like recently where I'm like, there was just, I was do not agree at all with your thinking, with your decision. I don't want to do what you are suggesting we do for our family. Hmm. And we did not. I definitely want to hear that story (laughs) before we get into that though. I think it's a really important thing that you just mentioned. The concept of, of, of both, of you coming to a place where you can find a place of agreement together. And I think a lot of times the cultural narrative that we give people about marriage and relationship is this this concept of compromise, um, which is really demonstrated by the, the idea that I don't get what I want, you don't get what you want. Mm-hmm. Neither of us get what anybody wants, but we're just gonna compromise. And then we're that's the way <laughs> mm-hmm. forward. But I think there's a there's a different way forward, a better way forward that looks like agreement and unity mm-hmm. and, and not necessarily agreement in the sense that like you feel good about every nuance of the decision um, and that you may have had to give a little bit to get there. Mm-hmm. But the sense of like, I'm not just 
uh, compromising for compromise sake, I give a little and you give a little so that it's fair. Um, but that you as a couple are led by the Holy Spirit and trust. Uh, you talked about, you know, um, mutual respect for one another and trusting uh, the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. in each of the, the other spouse. And, and I think that that's, that's a key. Like when Paul starts this passage out, before he says, wives, submit to your husbands, he starts this out by saying that we should, we should submit to one another mm-hmm. out of reverence for Christ. Right. And right. that doesn't mean husbands <laughs> submit to wives. What it means is, is that we have an attitude of mutual respect mm-hmm. and love for one another because ultimately our reverence is for Jesus. Right. That's right. So that's and I, huge. And I do think, you know, um, as Brooke will go into an example where we, we just couldn't, and then actually this kind of space comes into play where our roles differ. For the most part, uh, by the time you get to a situation like that where there is something that comes up that perhaps I feel very strongly about and we, we don't agree, and I kind of go, this one I really feel like this is the case. If every big decision we make meaning every month we have some decently big decision and I feel strongly about all of them. And my, my big take is every time like, uh, I disagree, I feel really strongly. Then you become into this pattern like you just use that space of I feel strongly and you should as a means to get what you think is your way or your right. So what I often do in our decision-making process is I ask myself as we're dialoguing about something, is this something I feel super strongly about? Like that's from God rather than just it's my opinion versus hers. Two, more often than not, when we're making decisions, she's a much more practical thinker than I am. She thinks through many more details than I do. She thinks ahead in ways I don't. I'm a dysfunctional optimist. So I'm like, yeah, it sounds great. Let's do it. Let's party. I'm a surprise and delight guy. So it'll work out. It'll eventually. work out eventually. Yeah. And I've learned very quickly that that is not always true. So I am extremely wise to pay close attention to what Brooke sees that I don't, right? So if you do have this mutual respect and trust for each other, what it does afford us is that more often than not, if we're in the middle of a space trying to make a decision, and I'm not sure, I I have a better way in my head than she has. I kind of go, let's do it your way, because it's a way, or it's a, this decision one way or the other, I may agree or disagree, but it's not a big deal. That's most of our life. And then every now and then, mm-hmm. very rarely, something comes to the table that I feel very strongly about mm-hmm. and we don't agree. Then in those moments, like she said, she could think of one, right. as we thought even last night no, about not it. Not necessarily our entire There's marriage. More than reason. one, but it's, they just don't come up that often. Then I have this equity to be able to say, when I say this one matters a great deal to me, that's different than normal. And then she has a response to that that we've had to work through. So share a little bit about the more recent episode of disagreement. So we, you know, we have many children, eight children, and we don't have kind of one, like, this is the right way to parent all of our children. We think about each of their personalities and education and different, you know, rules and boundaries, whatever we kind of take that child by child and what we think is best for them and where they're at. And so this was a couple years ago. We were, one of our children was moving from middle school to high school and we did not agree about what that high school choice would be. Renault felt like homeschooling would be a great option. I was already homeschooling two of our children. The others were in school, bringing this child home to join the homeschooling group. And I did not want that, this child's personality, the way they learn, their struggles with school, thought it was going to be a disaster. We disagreed for a few months about it before we kind of finally had to make a decision. 
Um, of course, Renault wouldn't be the one homeschooling. <laughs> Renault would be at work all day yeah, while so, like, I was this, going. So this here. decision intensely affects spe- right. specifically. Primarily in fact affects me. Yeah doesn't affect him very much except for my demeanor when he gets home at the end of the day. Which is a real effect, <laughs> yes. right? Yes. But um, so, yes. And I, we, again, came to this impasse and had to make a decision. And I ended up deciding to, to submit and to say, this is not what I want. This isn't what I think is best. But I hear you. I respect you. And I'm willing to... Um, for this one school year, and then we'll we usually reevaluate every school year sure. for this one school year for us to to do that. And um, and for me, like you were mentioning, it's it's not as much about Renault as it is about about the Lord for me. Mm. Um, because this doesn't happen every other day in our marriage, maybe sure. I would feel differently if it was like constantly like, oh, I never ever get my thoughts, my feelings, my opinions are never heard and valued. Maybe it would be harder for me to do that. Yeah. And it, it wasn't easy to make that decision because I have a year long where I'm going to be homeschooling a child that I did not think that was going to be a good fit. Um, so, but my desire is to serve and honor God mm. by honoring and serving my husband mm. um, from the very beginning of our marriage, from when we were engaged. That is how I read the Bible and I believe God's word and I've seen God's faithfulness over and over again through his word and in my life. And so I have no reason to not trust that the way that God has set up marriage is the best way. Hmm. And so, um, and ultimately like when you make those decisions, you know, it's not that even that that decision necessarily needs to go well, um, in order. It didn't, it didn't go well. (laughs) Right. And I believe that, right. (laughs) But that, that the, you know, the blessing that comes from knowing Mm -hmm. that you were obedient to Christ ultimately, and, and to know that you made if if nothing else, this was the right decision for the health mm-hmm. and welfare of your marriage, and also it's the right decision because it pictures and 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 displays. Uh, sometimes, you know, we're going to be obedient to Jesus, mm-hmm. and and it's it's not going to go well for us, right? right. Um, and I do think too. I, I mean, and, and this is always this mutual reality that I think we talked about a bit on Sunday, that our participation in this either makes it a lot easier for our spouse to fulfill their calling. Their calling is not dependent on us, but it makes it a lot easier. It makes it a lot more difficult. Mm -hmm. So if I'm the kind of husband that is regularly not respecting her opinion, regularly not respecting her her way, regularly holding her to this idea that if I want something, you've got to uh, do that, then it's very, very challenging. Sure. But Brooke is able, when those few moments come that I'm like, I feel very strongly about this to say, Renault often throughout our marital journey, not not only often gives me voice, but respects my opinion and voice. And he wouldn't be holding to this unless it felt very strongly to him because mm-hmm. he usually kind of goes, look, this affects you more than me. So in a case like that with the homeschooling, for me to say, this kid really wants to try, <coughs> try homeschooling. I want to give them a chance, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> to try it. And I know it's going to be difficult for Brooke our big concern wasn't so much the difficulty for Brooke as much as it wouldn't be a great fit for him. Mm-hmm. But I was willing to say it might not be. Mm-hmm. But I want to give this a try. I want mm-hmm. to give him a chance to try it. And if it goes badly, mm-hmm. then then I can say to him, we tried. Yeah. So my decision making wasn't just, I know it's going to be terrible for you, but do it anyway. It was, sure. there's layers to this. And she knows that. Sure. So then it doesn't make it as difficult to say, Renault's just not caring. Yeah. 
Renault has a process here that we had spent, as she said, months talking through. So we knew where we were at. Right. So I yeah. think all that matters. Yeah, and I think another thing that, that really matters when it comes to, to you know, decision-making in marriage is that the, you know, you talked about how much more difficult it would have been if this was the every week or every other day thing and that your voice is not being heard. And I think that like one thing that Christian marriage really ought to be afforded that other marriages really aren't um, is a mutual submission to the Lord and a mutual submission to His Word should reduce so many of the potential conflicts that we might have within marriage in terms of decisions that we're making, but also just daily life. Because when two people are submitted to the Word of God, then, then um, you know, a lot of these conflicts uh, are, are settled because of the truth of the Word of God. That's right. Not that we're always perfect at following it, right? But, but that's the benefit and the beauty of, of Christian marriage. And there is time um, when, you know, the Word of God doesn't give us a clear indication of what school our child is supposed to go to, right? <laughs> There's principles we can follow and all of those things, but from time to time, those decisions come to pass. And having a track, track record of two people saying, we're, we're, we're generally in agreement because we submit to the Word of God. Mm-hmm. It makes it so much easier in those those rare yeah. times that there's disagreements. So and that is the context of Ephesians: is we're trying to carry the unity of the of the beauty of the mystery of the gospel in marriage. This is what that looks like. So this is very much a mutual thing. Mm. If husbands, you are in this for yourself and not for your wives, mm-hmm. this isn't going to go well. Yeah. Wives, if you're in this for yourself and not for your husband, this isn't going to go well. And if either of you are not in this for Jesus, it's definitely not going to go well. So Paul is making the assumption that both of us want to honor Christ and love right, him. Right. And if that's the case, then here's the grid. Right. And then like I said on Sunday, then it's a gift. Right. And we have found it to be a gift, even in the moments where it's a bit of a, let's wrestle this through. Yeah. So. I think what's so interesting <coughs> is that so many women struggle with this, um, with this passage. It feels like there's an inequality between... Why do men have this role and women get assigned this lesser role? But what I think is, um, if you look at the scripture and God's calling to us over and over again, it's a, regardless of whether you're a man or a woman, <laughs> he calls us to lay our lives down right. for others. Right. And so I just, as I was thinking about today and sharing, just thought about Philippians chapter two, mm. you know, where it talks about do nothing, do nothing, nothing at a vain conceit or I mean out of humility or vain conceit but in everything consider others better than yourselves yeah. I mean that is the same right I mean right. that is submission I submit my will my desires my needs for the sake of the other and that's all others right. not just and then your literally husband. the husband version right. is take your whole life right. and lay it down for the sake of your wife totally. and then the passage goes on to say <clears throat> you know Christ made himself nothing taking on the nature of a servant right you know, and laid his life down. And so we're called to do this in all of our relationships. And we have the privilege of practicing it day in, day out, moment by moment in the most intimate of relationships with our spouse. Mm. And so if, if, and oftentimes that's the hardest relationship, right? Because whether it's your coworker that you get to see for a few hours and they're in the next cubicle or a roommate, yes, those are challenging too, or a neighbor or whatever other those, you know, acquaintances, school, you know, uh, parents, whatever. But those you can leave and come back and you don't get to see every little ugly bit of that person's yeah. um, personality, which you get to see in the context of your 
marriage and yeah. all the beautiful things too. But so I think, you know, that calling to live that out day by day, moment by moment in our marriage is if we can do that, then it's so much easier. It's easy than to do it with everybody else, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think, but it's not a different call. It's not a different command. It's just a, a different di- role, a different, you know, relationship. Yeah. Like the principle of laying your life down applies yeah. To all relationships. Right. And the expression of how we lay our life down within the marriage context differs from her to me. Right. She takes her rights and she lays them down in this space of what we call submission. I take my rights and I lay them down in the space of what we call leadership uh, to nurture and to develop. But I'm laying my life down. This I'm not in this for me. She's laying her life down. She's not in this for her. We're in this for each other because we're in this for Jesus. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. It's good. That's very good. So um, getting a little bit more practical again. So uh, you guys have talked a little bit about, um, because I I have received some financial counsel from you, which I appreciate. (laughs) Uh, Back when I was a single man, uh, Brooke Brooke helped me budget and it was very, very valuable (laughs) to me. And I actually listened and took your advice and it worked. but uh, I would have helped you budget, but then you'd be broken in debt. Yeah. Yeah. Renault, <laughs> Renault and numbers are, yeah, don't trust Renault's numbers. So, um, so with, so with that, because you found that in terms of, in terms of that function, how does that play out? Does that mean, um, you know, you're the one that makes all the financial choices and decisions. Does that mean that you're managing the finances and that you guys are decision-making together? How does that play out? Um, and, and, and I think one of the reasons why this is an important thing is, um, you know, in marriage, uh, some of the greatest, uh, you know, conflict reasons mm-hmm. in marriage is, you know, money and sex, right? That's those right. are the, those are the reasons for divorce right. is, is money and sex. And ironically, those are two contexts in which who's the boss and who's not plays in very big. A hundred percent. Right. Who controls it and therefore who's in charge of it and therefore who makes the decision, who's the boss. And so when you're in a situation where you have a biblical ideology that says, I'm leading and she's submitting for the sake of this question, but now she's running the home's finances. What, what is that? Is that okay? What does that mean? And, and we found that to be a question that comes up when people find out Brooke runs all of our finances. And they're like, hmm. And I'm like, it doesn't violate anything uh, because that's not the point. But anyways, yeah. Yeah, so, so talk, talk how a little bit about now, home. How, how, does, it, do how does it work um, in your home? And then maybe we can talk a little bit about where does it bring it back to this passage? Yes. All right. So pretty much for our, the entirety of our marriage, I have been the one who has managed our finances in our home. I think for a very short time, Renaud tried to step into that a little more. Um, it didn't go very well. It was so. a day or two. <laughs> I think it was a couple of weeks. But. <laughs> a couple of weeks. <laughs> I mean, I didn't take him over or anything. Right. I tried to. I don't know, participate. So, um, <laughs> Renault is not very good with paperwork, with schedules, with dates, with numbers. Process. So, um, it's good <laughs> and with at words, Mosaic, so. And at Mosaic, he has a staff for that. Yes. Right? In the home. Yeah. So, different. and that's my, um, you know, I'd been living by myself for a few years. I'd been in college. I'd been, I was working before we got married. I lived on a budget. I had managed all that. That's also really just a passion point of mine, not, um, just making sure you, you know, live debt free. But for me, it's about honoring God mm. with the resources that he's given us and really stewarding what he's given us. So that's always been an, a passion of mine and it be, has become more so as we now have this, you know, home and large family and ministry that just really stewarding and what he's given us. And so because that's been a passion of mine and something I happen to be 
gifted and skilled in. It was just a natural thing for me to do that. In terms of how it works, how does Renault, how is he part of that? Again, a lot of it is, is that trust and respect. He trusts me, he respects me. We've made good financial decisions that have enabled us to be able to give generously, enabled us to, you know, do things for our family. And, um, and so he's seen the fruit of that over the years of, of me managing it well. When it comes to decisions, we don't make large decisions without the other person. We just don't. So there's no way I'd be like, hmm, we've got enough money for, for a new, um, you know, we're going to put a pool in and I've called the contractor and, and set up the appointment and Renault has no idea. Like, that would never happen. Mm. And that's a very large thing. But even, I would say, d- probably down to two to $300, we don't make decisions without the other person. Like, Renault might buy a pair of shoes and I'd be like, oh, why do you really need a new pair of shoes? And I'll be like, because I want to. <laughs> and there's also, you know, there's, there's also um, great advantage when the person running the finances isn't the spender. That helps. But they're the saver, right? <laughs> um, and, and I say that to say this. I think we often make decisions about practicalities like our finances based on gender roles or biblical gender roles. Right? Or who makes the money. Or who makes the money. If I'm you not make the, the one money, making the money. If you make the family. money or you're the husband, then apparently this comes with the territory. A much wiser way to make the decision about who runs the money is perhaps deciding who the spender is versus who the saver is. And this is not the only category, but this is one of the categories that played in well for us. Sure. I don't think to myself constantly, Brooke is going to spend a bunch of money without us talking about it because she typically just doesn't do that and won't. If I were running the finances and I knew that she wasn't paying attention, I, I, it's not that I would, yeah, I can get away with it. I'm just typically a spender. But because Brooke's managing them, before I would just go out and spend now, I know what's going to happen, right? I'm going to spend it. And tonight, when Brooke sees, she's going to say, what was that for? And if I just go, I liked it, so I bought it. It was $900. Mm-hmm. She's going to go, we don't have the money for that. Like, you right. can't do that. So I already know this. So now when a, a number is larger than $100, say, or even I can spend up to $99 without checking in with the bank, right? It's, it's not so that. You, so you split it up in three separate in three transactions. Separate payments. <laughs> yeah. I only spent $39. Yeah, three easy payments the of idea $99.99. Is she has this budget that she's managing for the stewardship of our resources to honor God. And I don't want to disrupt that. Mm-hmm. So if I'm going to spend something in some regularity that's larger than I know are little bits that won't affect the budget, I'm going to check in and say, hey, would it be okay if I spent $300 on this or $100 on this or $50 right. on this? I'm not checking in because she's policing me. I'm checking in because she is honoring our family by managing this massive reality of money in and out. And I don't want to disrupt that. And I would guess that like, big picture decisions about your general budgeting practices you guys are making together right. to to an extent at right. least to say like hey this is what our mortgage is hey this is what you know insurance costs and cars cost and and groceries are going to cost now, and all Renaud of that no doesn't really care very much about all that kind of stuff right because he hasn't had to yes. right. and his personality if it's going well why get involved right so he's involved in lots of things in our home he's w- super super involved in parenting, probably more so than most husbands are in the day-to-day parenting. We also have quite a lot of parenting things on our hands with eight kids, but he's less involved in the finances, but he could be if he wanted to be. He doesn't necessarily want to be because it, it's going really well. Everything's in order. And earlier on in your marriage, you know, it's it's more important to kind of like budgeting is like you, in marriage. It's, it's something that 
generally, if you practice together long enough, it starts to kind of work itself right. out. Yeah, like right. it just becomes something like, um, you know, early on, you might have to have like Dave Ramsey talks about doing monthly budget meetings. Right. But then we over time, as it's yes. working, now now it's turning into like, hey, we're gonna, when there's an aberration in the budget, right. let's talk about this. That's right. Or, um, or you, you know, get a raise. Okay, is that we're going to save that extra money. So how are we going to divert that? Do, save that. So when there are major changes in our budget, yeah. either income changes or we have to make an, an, an output change. Getting a new child to college. That's right, that's right. 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 There's, yes. there's a change. We we've, we have to buy, get two more cars on insurance because we've got two more driver's licenses. Right. So we now have five cars on insurance. And we're like, oh gosh, that's going to affect the budget. She will generally either FYI me in, mm-hmm. hey, just so you know, I'm going to have to make some budget changes on this. I'll get back with you to, sit, to tell you if it impacts anything else. Mm-hmm. Or we'll talk about it. What should we do with this money? So we have those discussions. So when there's major changes, we do that. Number two, I think the other thing that's, that's been helpful in our journey is there's two things that the person who doesn't run the finances, especially if it happens to be in our category, husband, wife, so the wife's running it. I found two things. One, I can either totally be uninvolved. I don't need to. She does it really well. I don't know how budget works. I don't really care. And there was a season of our marriage where if there was a financial uh, seminar that we go to, you go do it, Brooke. You meet with our financial advisor. You, And then we realized I'm totally uninvolved mm-hmm. and that's not leadership. Yeah. That's and not, it's, that's it's not, not healthy. unity. It's, it's not healthy. Not healthy yeah. because then one spouse has to have the pressure of yep. making it all work out. That's and right. so, so it's the, good that you... On the one hand, I've gotten much more involved over the years on the learning curve too. Mm-hmm. I went to the financial peace thing that we did or the, when crown, we did Crown we did Ministries. Crown with Terry uh, Cheater. Yeah, I, I went through that and learned a lot. When we meet with our financial advisor to determine future stuff for college and things, I'm in those meetings. Yeah. Now, when I'm in that meeting, I'm watching with Brooke and if he asks a technical question about you look at Brooke. I look at Brooke and go, what do you think? And she goes, I, we've got the money to do that. It sounds like a great plan to do sure, that. Sure. But I'll, I'll give my opinion. But at the same time, I'm involved. Yeah. The other side of the coin is that sometimes the person, and we've had this in our marriage, there are seasons in our marriage where I felt policed. Mm-hmm. So Brooke's running the finances. She's not policing me out of a, a, a mistrust, but she's running receipts. There's taxes to be done at the end of the year. So she, what it turned into is it moved from I need those receipts, which I keep receipts about as well as I I just, I'm terrible at it. But what it started becoming is this. Why did you spend that? Well, and then I'm explaining. And so we had to have discussions about that at different stages in our marriage. And so my point is, whenever you're in these stages, I think what's made our marriage work so well, despite our differences in these kinds of settings, is a mutual respect and trust, but then a lot of talking. When I am starting to feel controlled or I have a little budget, a little allowance, and I feel like one of the nine children, Mm -hmm. then we go sit and talk about that. And then Mm -hmm. she goes, that's not my intent. I don't want you to feel that way. This happened because of this practicality. And I'm like, I hear you, but it's how it feels. Then we make adjustments and we say, how can I not make you feel that way? And we've adjusted those things. I mean, communication is really generally also the root of, the true root of financial problems. Right. And physical intimacy problems. Right. You go down to it, it's, there, there's usually misunderstandings, unmet expectations that aren't communicated well, yep. you know, and so communication is so key. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think, you know, when it comes to um, marriage in general, the, the difficulties that we run into, um, either it's met with poor communication, which leads to frustration, or 
you just let it fester and fester and fester right. until there's a huge Bitterness, explosion. resentment, and, uh, yeah, anger, hurt. All of that. And that's part of where like this particular passage of, um, you know, what does it look like for us to have submission towards uh, one another out of reverence for Christ and then for wives submitting to husbands as husbands loving, lovingly lay down their lives for their wives. You know, as that as that plays out, like communication is part of what keeps that stuff happening on mm-hmm. track. That's mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. And it also helps a tremendous amount if you're constantly keeping both these aspects of this verse in play and seeing it not as who's the boss and who's not, but as these beautiful opportunities and roles to love one another well and lay down your, your lives for each other. It also plays this way for me. Brooke manages our home. That's the season of her life over the last number of years because of children in our home is a complex space and she manages our finances, right? That doesn't make her the boss of our home or me the boss not of the home. But what it does mean is that's territory that she is having to strategically manage. So when I enter that territory, if I love her and I don't want to be a disruption to all the great work she's doing, I'm submitting myself to the systems and processes that are the management of our home. So if you ask our kids, you'll often hear our kids say, if you ask kids, who do you think's the boss, mom or dad? Now they don't so much because they're teenagers and they understand better, but they would have said, oh, mom's the boss. Mm -hmm. Because the environment they're encountering us most is in the home and the money, and she manages the home and the money, and I trust her. Mm-hmm. So I'm not here to disrupt. So if, you, if, if there's a pantry full of food and I want an apple, I'm going to say to Brooke, hey, is it okay if I grab an apple? The kids think, mom is the boss. Dad has to ask for everything. No, there's eight apples. It's and have eight to buy kids. everything. <laughs> and so I know in yeah. my head. And you may be taking an apple from That was for a, lunch for, for a Thursday. Yeah. Not maybe. Yeah. You will be. Right. So I, it looks, so I, I think mutual submission in reverence to Christ is also partly both the husband and wife saying, where am I disruptive to what you are managing in our life? And where are you disruptive? And I don't want to be. So how can I serve you? And how can you serve me? If this is your mutual heart, then it's really, this whole thing doesn't become a big problem. It actually becomes a part of how we do life. And I think just recognizing that like a marriage, God's original intention in, in, the book of Genesis gives us this is that the two become one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so the goal is we're, this is, we're a team, yep. you know, <laughs> mom and dad are, are on the same page. Husband and wife are on the same page. Um, now that we're two imperfect people that God has made one. Yeah. So it's not yeah. going to go well altogether. All time, yeah. um, so, you know, we've talked a little bit about practical stuff, talked a little bit about parenting, um, you know, decision-making, parenting decisions, finances, um, talk a little bit about spiritual journey because, um, you know, a big part of this passage um, leads us to this concept of, you know, and, and, and as you look at other passages where Paul or Peter or others talk about marriage, that the goal of marriage is that we are in part preparing one another and, mm-hmm. and sanctifying one another, making <clears throat> one another more and more like Jesus um, so that we are ready to meet Jesus. It's a part of yes. our, our journey on this planet. What does, what does in your marriage it look like um, for you to be on a spiritual journey, um, both as individuals, but also as a married couple? Um, and, and how has that played out in terms of Renault uh, and, and what your leadership has looked like and, and Brooke, what you coming under that leadership has looked like? How has that played out? Where have you struggled what have you learned? Where, where are things at today? 
And I, and I would say, and Brooke will speak to this, but I, I would say another reason why this one's such a big one in this category of leadership and submission is I think we typically misunderstand the roles, just like we would say, since the husband's the leader, he should run the finances and the wife shouldn't. And I'm like, no, that's, that's, not, a, that's not a true understanding of this. In the same way, I hear this the other way around, which is since the husband is supposed to lead spiritually, the wife needs to sit back and wait until he does. And if he doesn't, then she just waits her whole life hoping that her husband's going to become a spiritual leader. So I hear a lot of times from men or women the overwhelming pressure to be the spiritual leader, but he's terrible at it. So we've experienced some of that in our home in terms of how that's gone down and the struggle there. So Brooke can speak some to how this has gone down in our home and continues to. I love that smile of hers when she's like, how, how deep do I go on this one? <laughs> so, how much do I tell them I know. of how miserably this has crashed and burned in our home. Take it all the way, honey. No. (laughs) So this is an ongoing struggle in our marriage. Probably one of the largest for me um, because I have this husband who is an incredible leader. I see him lead in many ways and many people and many contexts and ministry and business. Um, And I get to sit in on a lot of those meetings and I'm amazed and thankful and see his gifting. and I get to sit under his teaching, and I love that. I would say it has not translated in the way that I have wanted it to in our home setting. And that's been a struggle for me for a long time. Um, we do have a spiritual journey together, but it's not um, what I would desire it to be. And I am pray a lot about that, and I trust God for that, that maybe someday it will be, maybe it won't. I love Renaud dearly. I think he's an incredible man of God. When it comes to the way that we individually connect with God, it's very different. (laughs) What works for me, the way that I hear God, the way that I experience him through his word, um, I'm much more structured. I like a plan. I like to, you know, at 7 p.m. or 6 a.m., we're going to do this every day, and we're going to go through this, and we're going to answer these questions, and we're going to pray this way for each other and not like every day has to be exactly the same, but, um, I, I keep a journal. I write, you know, I'm usually I'm reading four to five different books, spiritual books that I'm learning from and gleaning from. I'm reading through a book in the Bible. I'm studying this. Whereas Renaud is much more like lives in the clouds and he just experiences, (laughs) he just experiences God constantly on the go in his everyday, which has worked out great for his life and the, what God has called him to and in our family and the life that he leads. Um, but it doesn't work out very well when you're like, okay, well, can we just spend some time as a family studying God's word? It doesn't work out very well. And I think this has been a, an, a fascinating journey for us and a difficult one mm-hmm. because where it gets really complicated is that it translates into statements like, you don't lead our home spiritually. So Brooke would say that because she's not experiencing my spiritual leadership in a way that's helpful to her or helpful to the family, right? Then I say to that, this is crazy. So you're saying I'm not a spiritual leader of our home. I lead our home spiritually every day, all the time. So then you get into these crazy uh, cycles where I will say things like, look at our kids. Look at the fruit in their lives. The fruit of, sees all I of mean, our kids love Jesus, me? so that must mean that it's because but, he is a spiritual But it also, <laughs> ergo. Yeah, 
And, you know, even last night, this was as we were discussing some of these things, this is where it started going downhill a bit. Um, because it's still after 25 <laughs> years. Too, no, so. like legitimately, <laughs> like last night, by the time we went to bed, we were a little mad at each other because we were preparing for today. And it was in these questions that we still haven't quite figured out sure. how to agree. But but here's... I do want to say where I've come to a different understanding of how you lead our family. That's yes, and, I, and you can share that. <laughs> and that happens but, through but, communication. But this is my yeah, point. Go ahead. What we've discovered is that this isn't as much an issue of whether I do or don't spiritually lead our family. Mm -hmm. It's an issue of how. Mm. And where I failed miserably is that I have made the assumption that if I spiritually lead the way I do well, even though it leads to great fruit in our family, I think our kids do love Jesus, the church. They understand mission. They understand the gospel. And it's not just because they attend church. And Brooke will share in a minute what she does know of how I, I lead. But in the areas that Brooke really needed me to lead to meet her way of engaging with God and therefore her way of wanting the kids to engage with God, I have over the years written off because it's not the way I do it. Brooke and I don't just experience God differently in this practicality where journaling, regularity of devotions and stuff is the way she does. It's the way I don't. Right. Like it's not just that that's one way I do. It's stifling to me. Mm -hmm. When I sit down, I'm like, I've got to do a devotional every day. I actually feel like this. Why? I do my devotionals on the go. Mm -hmm. Now, right or wrong, one could argue all day long. We experience it differently. So I have led my way. And when she goes, you're not leading, I justify that by, you. of course I am. And what we're starting to discover is... Our conversations don't sound like that. No, I know. I, <laughs> yeah, his caricatures yeah, of, like, uh, okay. of how, how both <laughs> your conversations I speak and in the way that it feels. Kids, right? yes. I, I speak in the way that okay. it feels internally. Right. Right? Right. I don't talk like that. But the no, point is, he doesn't. we are slowly <laughs> starting to learn two things. One, it's not a if you do or don't, it's different. And yeah. two, therefore... I have to start learning how to lead my wife and my family in spiritual ways that aren't necessarily comfortable to me or normal to me for their sake sure. of spiritual connection. My kids have lost out on some consistencies in their spiritual disciplines and their devotional lives because I don't lead that way. Mm -hmm. That mom has had to bring to the table. So share a little bit about what you've discovered recently as so, in like last night. No, no that's kidding. not true. We talked about it last night, but... <laughs> um, Renault asked me last night, how do I lead our family? And I sat for a while. She sat silent for long enough that I'm like, this is what I'm talking about. You don't think I lead. This is ridiculous. <laughs> Legit. She, and I'm like, I started getting no, like really like, oh I my gosh. I had to pause because I've, what I'm realizing <laughs> is that Renault, his is more like, like I said, kind of on the go there's not a discipleship plan in place for our family and for our children and for me, but it's these ongoing conversations that he's having regularly, daily with me, with the kids when I'm struggling or I'm frustrated or I'm sad or I'm feeling discouraged about, you know, this relationship or this thing in our family or us, I'll come to him and he won't necessarily be like, here, honey, mm -hmm. read this, but he will speak, he will comfort, he will... Um, you know, give counsel based on his deep, deep understanding of the scriptures and how God has worked in our lives for so long. So he brings you that. You ever wonder where to get that? I know. I do. Because <laughs> yeah. he never actually sits. Because I'm over here like reading the Bible going, what does this all mean? And I was like, I'll tell you. Yes. So he's bringing that to the table constantly, 
but it's just in a conversation here or this or a kid coming and saying, hey, you know, this relationship at school or I'm mad about that or this kid did this to me. And Renault will just speak truth out of what he knows. Yeah. So there's no, like I said, there's no plan in place to move this kid or move me from here to here in a deeper sure. relationship, but it's just ongoing daily. And that's incredible because our kids all know and feel comfortable sharing and speaking with more Renault than me because I'm more like, okay, let's sit down. Let's start in Matthew chapter one, you know. And they're like, here and we so, are again into the genealogies. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and not that the kids don't talk to me, but when it comes to like kind of deeper spiritual things, a lot of times they'll have those conversations, whether it's in the car or after a fight, you know, and they'll have to kind of regroup. And Renault's really great at that. And that is huge. And I'm super thankful for that. It's, again, not the way that I would prefer it. I, I do desire for, for there to be more of a consistency and plan. I realize that that's not his strong suit. And I'm trying more and more to be to, one of my kind of personality flaws is that I focus on what's not working, what's not going well, and sometimes can miss out on what is beautiful around me. And so that's part of my spiritual journey is to try to shift where I'm focusing. <laughs> and so what this has translated into for, for us, and again, in the, in the context of this is, Brooke for many years, I think, wanted me to take the initiative and follow through on the ideas and plans of so we would sit and talk. We'd sit and yeah. talk and have a plan. We'd come up with a, like, come on, we're going to do this. We're going to do this every week. And on, we're going to do this for the kids. And then we're going to pray would, regularly together. We're going to wake up every morning or we're going to do the prayer. And usually for like anniversaries and birthdays, that would be my promise to her. We'll right. start praying together <laughs> every day. Or buy me a book the, that we're going to do together. Some book and together. Then, and then, yeah. uh, you know, page one, I finished the book when I was read three pages. Uh, we've already <laughs> failed at it. Because yeah. one of the flaws in my personality is I have lots of good intentions but I'm terrible at follow through. Everybody just went, yep. Yeah, we know. Yeah. No, we're yeah. we're, and, and, we're and well it's, aware. And it's not, it's not intentional, but it is a flaw and I'm working on that sure, as well. Sure. But the point is in our home that plays out in anything that needs to be consistent, I'm just not going to be great at. So what Brooke did is for many, many years, she just longed and waited for that to happen because it's leadership. Well, we'd um, talk and he would say, yes, I'll do that. Yes. But then he wouldn't. <laughs> so then and I'd be hurt and I'd be and sad. Really recently, like a year or so ago, we had a conversation and I said to Brooke, if you come to me and say, can we pray together right now? And I go, no, I don't want to. I don't feel like it. Then yes, you have legitimacy to say, no, it doesn't want to lead spiritually. But if you say, can we pray together right now? And I go, sure. But what you're hoping is that I will say, can we pray right. together? Because I want Renault to I want, want to what that, I want. And that you would have a 12-point prayer plan that you would then follow yes, through. Follow no, through I can bring the 12-point plan. But, I just but want him to implement it. Right. <laughs> implement, right? So what I oh, said to her the is plan. <laughs> Leadership, the way you can serve my calling to lead is by taking the flaws I have that I fail at leadership in this space and help me with them by mm -hmm. saying, I'll put not only a plan together, but I'll initiate you then do it. So when she says, let's pray together, I go, sure. I might be tired. I might not feel, but I'm going to go, yeah, I'd, I'd love to pray together. So we're learning. We're, we're in the, literally in the throes of learning what it means that she leads in parts of our spiritual journey that are more structured Sabbath right now. We do a consistent Sabbath on Friday nights. Yeah. That's on Six her. Six times in a row. Yeah. yeah good. And, and, you know, so I think what's really insightful about this is a couple of things. Number one, um, I think it's really easy if um, if you're a, a, a person who 
in your marriage, you struggle with seeing spiritual development unfold between you. It's easy to look at other people and think to yourself, oh, I bet you it goes really well for them. I'm sure there have been people in our congregation over the last 18 years that this church has been alive that have heard a sermon that Renaud's preached and thought, wow, I wish you know, I was in a marriage where my husband talked about God like that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's a really good thing for us to recognize, that, like for, for all of us to say like, man, uh, everyone struggles with this. Yeah, like totally. this, is, this mm-hmm. is not just something that, you know, average people struggle with and then, you know, lead pastors of churches don't struggle with. Like this is just a real struggle uh, in our world because marriage is hard. It's not easy. If it was easy, everyone would be successful <laughs> at it, right? Um, but, but so that's number one, just recognizing that like this is a real challenge. And then the second thing is, is just seeing that you guys have been, have done the work to um, continue to let it be uh, uh, something that you struggle through and fail at and frustrate and we you. We still press on. I mean, we haven't given up, you know. <laughs> you haven't given up on the journey and that it's been an opportunity for you to learn um, about each other. Hey, this is actually what you're able to do in this relationship. And I'm not going to hold you to, to what I would prefer that you do and the other way around. But then also to be able to say, but I see that that this is an area that if I could learn to do it, it would be a blessing to you. It's kind of like the whole love yeah. languages thing, mm-hmm. right? Okay. When you recognize, well, this is the way I feel loved and you want someone to, to love you that way. Right. Um, and this is the way I prefer to give love. So I want to give it to you that way. But then to flip that script and say, okay, you know, I, I'm going to begin to interpret when you do this for me, instead of be bothered by it, I'm going to interpret it as love and recognize it as love. And for you to begin to interpret what Renault does on the fly so well mm-hmm. as spiritual leadership, um, where that might not have been the way you would have defined right. spiritual leadership on your own, is a demonstration of maturity. And it's a demonstration of saying, okay, um, I'm going to let this person play the role that, that God has assigned to him or her uh, in my life and not not try to uh, impose what I think that should look like upon them. And then in, su- in the su- same way for me to say, just because I say my spiritual leadership has produced this fruit and that's good enough for me to recognize my children have a limitation in their spiritual journey because some of the beauty of the structures of disciplines of the faith and things like that are not in play for them because I don't bring those to the table. How can I uh, take my wife's lead in that and get not only behind her, but actually lead beside her because she's really good at this. And that's been a great asset to our One thing that's kind of been, Renaud shared that we've been doing Sabbath recently. That's been a kind of desire longing in my heart for many, many years. Felt very strongly convicted about that years ago. And it's been an ongoing journey that we're struggling with. And this school year, we're like, okay, we're going to do it again. We're going to try again. But what I'm realizing and and trying to do now, I'm not doing it perfectly, is I I kind of plan that out. I kind of make that happen. I set it on the schedule. I make sure the kids know that this is, you know, this week we're doing it this time. Um, it's not necessarily the same time every week because of our crazy family. Um, and I kind of have a plan that then I bring to Renault and I say, kind of, here's your part. Here's what you get to do. So when we're all together and gathered, some of the stuff I might be, you know, I'll be taking us through this passage, but then he steps in and leads those conversations. And, and so the kids don't necessarily know that I'm the one who's kind of setting him up to be mm-hmm. in that place. But that's just something that's been so... But then what has happened is where my skill set 
is an asset to our family's spiritual journey. It's now an asset in the space of this structure that she's put in place. And so again, all this comes back down to the leadership in the home is a mutual oneness of leading your home. I just have one role and she has another, but they they, they intermix. Sometimes I'm <clears throat> submitting to a, a section of our life because that's her space. Sometimes she's enhancing my leadership because that's well, my and, space. I mean, and that is what, like when God said, it's not good that man should be alone. I'm going to make a, a suitable helper for him. What you're doing is you're setting Renault up to be the leader that he's mm-hmm. called. To be. And then that's what I'm beautiful. doing is setting Brooke up to display the gospel the way she was made to be. And there is this mutual right. complementing of one another's yeah. unique beauty to be a gospel carrier. And, and, and it's not easy. I always, as you're hearing us say, I mean, this has come with 25 years of fighting. You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, in <laughs> other words, wrestling, wrestling through this. Uh, being hurt, trying to figure it out, feeling unheard, feeling left behind, thinking you're not leading, whether it's been in the spiritual spaces, the money spaces. But here we are 24 and a half years later. Right. And I feel like we're starting to get a handle on some of these things. Yeah. Well, it is getting close to time to wrapping it up. But as we do, I would love to hear just, just from you guys in those 25 years, uh, <laughs> what are some things that you would say, man, 25 years later, if I knew what I know now back then, what would we have done differently? And then 25 years later, man, what are you so grateful for that you have done and are continuing to do and plan to do for the rest of your life? Go. Why don't you start? No. I don't want you to start. I don't want to start. <laughs> I, I want I you to submit I've started to this every moment. time. Oh I'm, hold, I'm, I'm going to play the mediator here and say, Renault, why don't you go <laughs> yeah, ahead and I start? I going to do that, jerk. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I would say a couple things. One, I would say that I'm incredibly grateful that early on in our marriage, we had the kind of relationship that had a a, a mutual respect and trust for each other that allowed for our skill sets early on in the marriage to come into place. It wasn't about gender as much as about gifting and passion. So things like her running our finances, I'm super glad that from day one that was the case. We have been great stewards of our money for 25 years. I I can say that unapologetically. We have, we have lived a biblically sound, and because of that, God has been, uh, allowed us to be part of many wonderful things. That is not because of me. That's because of her skill set. Um, I'm very grateful that in our marriage, that I think both of our hearts have been for each other hmm. and each other's well-being. And throughout our marriage, we've had to journey through how, how far that goes I think um, there's ways I've coped in our marriage by trying to make her life okay in the midst of chaos and in perhaps some unhealthy ways. But I'm still so super glad that from day one, my bent was, I love her Mm -hmm. and I want to try to make her life as awesome as possible. Mm -hmm. And so that creates an attitude and she has done the same, I think. I think that we've talked. We, We are... She is not the kind of person that like rolls out and, and hides. We've like had to talk conflict, things and yeah. wrestle through. That's been a really, really big deal. Hmm. Um, there's a number of things perhaps I would tweak here and there over the years, but one big thing, the biggest by far that I would change um, if I could go back now is I wish I discovered earlier on that the way I lead spiritually needs to match the way my family uh, starting with my wife, the way my wife best experiences God. And if I can't, I need to learn. Instead of saying, this is the way I experience God, so this is the way I'm going to assume you all should, and this is the way I'm going to lead. That has been a, a thing in the last couple of years that I, I wish I could go back and have learned earlier. 
I intend to make sure that the next 25 years, I don't get that wrong. And so I am having to learn to experience God the way she does so I can lead her better. I may never experience God through journaling, but I'm going to learn the value of what it means to have a structure and to do that. And so I want to get behind that. I'm reading more about it. I'm learning more. I'm submitting more to her way of doing spiritual life in our home more, not abandoning my way, but adding to that me. And so for my children, I, I look at Hadley, who's in college now, you know, and I, I, I have this keen sense that she will probably miss out a bit in life in that beautiful, structural, consistent way of spirituality, because I never brought that to the table for her. Whereas some of our younger kids like Cole is going to benefit greatly from being in a home where there's a regular Sabbath and a regular structure of devotions and memorizing scripture and things like that that she brings to the table that now I will too. And so I wish, I wish I'd changed that earlier. I wish I'd listened more to her passions for those kinds of structure earlier. Uh, but now here we are. So I'm going to start now or have started. So that's the biggest change I would have made. Um, I'll start with what I would change first because, you know, <laughs> that's how I see the world. <laughs> so um, I think I would say for me the thing that I would do differently is I think I, I, I don't know what the right word I don't think weight is the right word. I think I expected I needed Renault to meet certain needs for me in our spiritual journey together. I put too much on him instead of going to God. Not that I didn't go to God ever. I don't have it in my own relationship with God. But it's, it's like I was waiting for him to lead me <laughs> to God instead of just going to God. Um, and now that sounds like, oh, like I said, like, oh, I don't ever go to God. I do. I have a, a very, you know, um, ongoing relationship with God. But I think to, to take that pressure off of him all those years so that there wasn't that disappointment, that frustration, that like, why don't you want this the way I want it? And if you could just do this, then everything would be okay. I put that on him for a really long time and I just kind of take that off and be like, to just pray and to trust and to do the parts that I'm good at and to bring that to the table and, um, and just kind of give him a break <laughs> and not have him need to be my savior, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I think I've done that in our marriage where I've expected him to save me in certain ways instead of God. So um, that's the one thing I would change and hope to kind of shift in... Um, just about the time I can start saving her. She doesn't need me to anymore. It's perfect. <laughs> I have a feeling you're not going to hit that ball out of the park every time. No. So it's okay. Um, the things I think that we've done well is that our, like Renaud said, our heart and our desire to do this life well and honor God and follow him and have our lives make a difference in our community, in our world, has been a joint shared um, vision from the very mm. beginning. I think that has kind of kept and glued us together, mm. our understanding of God and who he is and our, and our just passion for the Lord. Although it does play out differently, I think that has just been a glue that is, no matter how frustrated we've been or hurt or didn't see eye to eye or, see, you know, that we come back to that, that brings us back together every time. And so we're willing to have those hard conversations and work through, sometimes for months, the same issue. Um, I think we have, we have valued each other's and what we bring to the table. So 
sometimes I <laughs> am jealous because I want to be more like him. And I'm like, well, why do you get to be the fun, fun guy? And I'm the like, here's the rules. Um, but there's a place for both of that. And so we bring our different gifts to the table. And I think that we've done a good job of doing that. We do complement each other well. Sometimes that turns into conflict, but for the most part, we complement each other really well. Yeah. Well, thank you guys yeah. for taking time to, um, you know, give uh, all of us a window into your life. I, I, you know, that type of vulnerability, unfortunately, in Christian community, especially within, within church leadership and pastoral ministry is just too rare. Um, and, you know, one thing that I've always appreciated about you, both of you guys, is your willingness um, to be authentic, to be vulnerable, um, because it benefits the body when we can all see and share uh, in, in, in our realities. And, and for those of you who are watching and listening, I would just say, this is just a reminder to me too, to just let's be praying for Renault and Brooke and lift them up because uh, the weight of, of leadership is, is heavy and, and you guys carry it so, uh, so well. Um, but I think the, the recognition that all of us, you know, we all need more of the gospel. We all need more of Jesus. We all need to be more like Christ. And when we do that, that our marriages will, will benefit. And my hope and my prayer is that for all of us, as we learn to have more reverence for Jesus, that we would honor each other really mm -hmm. well. And that the watching world from the outside looking in would say, okay, so that's what it means uh, to be Christ in the church. And I think that's, that's the goal and that's the hope. So yeah. keep, keep plugging away. Yeah. Uh, we're all, we're all with you and, and, um, and grateful for, yeah. um, you know, your, your willingness to be vulnerable. And I do and think... The, the great joy, you know, even sitting here, and as Brooke said, we've partnered for so long in life and ministry, playing different roles, different seasons. But um, Brooke has played such an incredibly massive role in allowing me to become the person I think God has wired and made me to be. And I have played, I think, a massive role in her becoming and being the person God has made her to be. And that's the point. Yeah. It's not she does it so I can or I do it so she can. We are together mm. in this. And we are discovering along a long road how uniquely God is expressing the gospel through each of us. And our privilege is to try to enhance it in one another mm. so that we together and individually better carry the gospel. Mm. And that's a hard work and a long work and a difficult and complex work, but a worthwhile work. Mm. Awesome. Well, thanks again. And thank you guys for being with us today. I hope it's been beneficial uh, for all of you. And uh, we'll be back again together soon. Absolutely. Great to be with you guys. Bye.